Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. I hope you're all doing well and you're having a great week or weekend or whenever you're listening to this. My name is Shruti Shaker. I'm a writer at Android Central, obviously, and I have our guests today and, of course, with my co-host, Nick Sutrick, uh, who is a writer, of course. Hi, Nick. How are you? Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm really tired, but we're going to have a great episode. I'm excited. I have a I've had three cups it. of tea so far, so I am no longer <laughs> tired. <laughs> uh, we're also going to be introducing two new people to the podcast. So many new people. This is so exciting. Um, I've got Chris Waddell, who is a writer. He actually just, he used to be a freelancer, and now he's a full-time staff member. So we're really excited and happy to have him on. Hi, Chris. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're excited to speak with you today. Uh, and I've got Derek Lee. Hi, Derek. He's also a writer and in charge of all of our news coverage. Hello, Shruti. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so unfortunately, we don't have Jerry today. He's not feeling too well, but he'll be back next week, hopefully. We've got a jam-packed list of things to talk about today. <laughs> but I, of course, want to talk about the first thing at hand, which was the Apple event that took place uh, last Tuesday. Gosh, it feels like this week has gone by so fast. But yeah, Apple event last Tuesday, there were a bunch of new things that were introduced. Uh, the new iPhone SE, uh, different colors for the iPad, as well as, you know, the new uh, the SE phone. Uh, they have a new iPad. Um, there's also a new uh, Mac computer. It's all amazing. It's great. Um, I want to talk about specifically first the iPad, though. Michael, who you guys have heard before, wrote a fantastic article uh, basically talking about how the iPad Air with the new M1 chip silicon that Apple has uh, proves Samsung really has a mid-range tablet problem. I, I'm going to open up the floor to whoever wants to start, but I think this is interesting. His article covers how Samsung is kind of in trouble now because they don't have a mid-range tablet and because Apple is going to be powering its new iPads with the M1 chip, which is a very powerful chip and it's uh, in-house made. So uh, I'm going to open the air, uh, open open the chat. Who wants to start? I could talk about the iPad Air name, which I personally hate. I, <laughs> I brought this up actually during the live stream, right? So to me, the Air name is kind of weird in this whole lineup. Because you have some of the more obvious things, like you've got the light one, you've got the pro one. And then like, what does air mean? I mean, I guess it's maybe thinner and lighter. But to me, it feels kind of weird on a tablet. Whereas, you know, on the laptop lineup, I feel like that makes a lot more sense. It's like this really thin laptop, whatever. Everybody knows what an air is. I look at the iPad air and I'm like, what is this? But, but I I, think, outside of... <laughs> I think that's the point, though. I mean, if you're having something that is smaller, sleeker, um, easier. I think that's the whole point of of the the Apple verbiage, if you will. Um, I think that's why they call it the iPad Air because it's lighter and smaller and thinner, I guess. No? Yeah, I, don't, I just, I, on a tablet, I, don't, I feel like it's not as big of a deal because they're already pretty slim. They're already pretty light. I mean, most of these tablets are not like, 20 pounds or, you know, super thick or anything. They're they're pretty svelte things. So I don't know. That is honestly my only complaint I could bring up with this thing. 
No, but okay, let's 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 back up and and talk about the the M1 backed iPad Air. Um again, like I mentioned, you know, Michael wrote this fantastic article and he was basically saying, you know, and he reviewed or he's going to be reviewing the Tab S8. Um you know, he he's talked about how great the the tablet is and you know, he's talked about it within our meetings and you know, it's it's a great it's a great tablet, but is it going to be a problem against the iPad Air with that new M1 chip? Uh, Chris or Derek, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's right. I mean, I think it's going to be a problem because if you look at the pricing and the capabilities of the iPad Air, especially coming in at 600 bucks, and it's coming with the M1 chip, which what they've used in their laptops, we know it's performance capabilities. And the Tab 8 is priced more in... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's running. A, it's running a Gen Eight or a Snapdragon Eight Gen One. God, that name. Um, which is gonna, <laughs> which is gonna give it plenty of power. But we don't know, you know. Especially if you look at the long term, you know, after the first year, two years, like we know how Apple does with supporting this product. So it's, I think it gets a prob- problem there, aside from just straight up performance and what you get for the price. So there was a question that that Michael uh, listed in his article. The question is, and I'm going to read it right now, how can we expect Samsung tabs running outdated mid-range Qualcomm hardware to compete with, with the iPad mini with an M1 chip or a future iPad Air with the M1 Pro? And I think that is a very, very critical question because how do we get more people to use a Samsung tablet or a tablet-powered uh, on Android compared to something like iPads, how how would we do that if we have an outdated chip? Well, it's as much the chip, but the longest time part of the problem has also been the software, which which we have, which hopefully Android 12L or whatever it ends up being, which is designed for larger form factors, hopefully fixes some of that and makes it more enjoyable to use on a large screen. That's just part of the problem, though. You know, I kind of I, I agree with Chris because, you know, I did write an article about this, about how, you know, I can't take Google's tablets or Google's tablet efforts seriously because uh, it seems like Google up until recently hasn't taken it seriously either. And the problem has been the fact that Android just hasn't really been optimized for larger screens. Um, and that's been a big problem for, you know, just any manufacturer, including Samsung. And Samsung has done what it can to sort of, um, you know, optimize its own tablets, uh, you know, aside from Google's own efforts, but um, there's only so much that Samsung can do. And, you know, I think this also kind of, you know, because Apple's very good at optimizing, you know, just all of its products because it controls the hardware, the software, all of it. And I think, you know, with the M1 chip, it, uh, uh, or with all of Apple's chips, really, you know, it, it kind of, it, it creates a problem not only just for Google, but also, you know, for Microsoft and its tablets because, you know, Microsoft has been working with Qualcomm on the, I believe it's the SQ2, um, that series of chips, and, um, you know, for for Windows on ARM. And I think there, you know, on that side too, there's been a problem with just, you know, is is Windows optimized enough to work well on an ARM chip? And I think the problem is that it hasn't been. And, uh, you know, that, that again, goes to show just how well 
Apple is doing in terms of optimizing its own hardware and software to work just seamlessly. And, um, and that's really just a problem that, you know, not only that Samsung has, but also, you know, Google, Microsoft, you know, Apple is, Apple's kind of just dominating. Um, and everyone else kind of just really needs to catch up and it's, it's really unfortunate, but yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, we can see, you know, with Android 12L, hopefully we'll see more, you know, optimizations for the tablets. Um, but, you know, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. Uh, I want to switch gears and talk about the iPhone SE because I think I think this phone is interesting um, because uh, of the new um, upgrades that that Apple did uh, with with this phone. Uh, it has a 4.7 iPhone 8 like design. Um, it's a, it's a good phone for, you know, everyday users who don't want like a flagship phone. It's priced really well. Um, it also includes the iPhone 13's A15 chip, which is a big deal, has 5G connectivity, new software stuff. It, it's pretty, you know, jam-packed into a, a budget phone. We were talking about this during uh, one of our meetings about how you know, the phone that would likely compare to the iPhone SE would be the Google Pixel 6a, which we all know has been delayed, or rather we don't even know when it's coming at this point. Um, and that could also be, you know, another case of what, what was it, the 5a, where there was chip shortages, issues with that, um, supply chain issues, whatever. I'm curious to know what you guys think of this, this comparison between the iPhone SE and the Pixel 6a. Is the Pixel 6a the most comparable phone to the iPhone SE where Google can actually, or not just Google, but Android can actually compete with Apple? Yeah, and I think it's for the same reason we're seeing with the tablets and that Qualcomm's chips are basically holding these back a lot. Like you look at the mid-range Qualcomm chips and they they didn't even come close to what Apple makes in this phone. And like at 430 bucks, I don't, I don't know how anything on Android comes close to this performance-wise. <laughs> it's, it's pretty nuts. I I would say, you know, if you're looking at the whole package, you could probably get, a, a depending on what you're looking for, possibly a better phone in a Pixel 6a because, you know, this form factor is old. I made the joke during the live stream, what if Samsung re-released the Galaxy S7 with a new chip? and <laughs> called it a day. It's the same thing Apple is doing. This is like a six-year-old design. It mm-hmm. looks like an old phone. And anybody, you know, looking at you having this is going to go, oh, you've got a six-year-old phone because, you know, it's the same bezels, the same everything. Like, Apple has changed nothing about the look of the hardware. But at 430 bucks, you are never going to find a faster phone. It's just, it's it doesn't exist. What what does what would that mean for the phone though? Knowing that it has such a powerful chip uh, with all of these other features, wouldn't it sort of drain the phone and and the actual um, I guess the features of the phone and the battery life, the processing, all of that? Like, wouldn't that be an issue? I don't. I mean, we'll have to see when it comes out and we have reviews. Um... I mean, I would imagine they would put a big enough battery in there to to make it last, you know, at least most of the day or all of the day. I think they have largely solved their, you know, less than one day battery life problems. I mean, maybe maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but 
I think a lot of the efficiencies have been fixed there. And, what you know, I, having... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I mean, that kind of goes back to, you know, like you're saying, it's similar to tablets where the situation that Apple has an advantage over everybody else is their ability, you know, their vertical process from software and hardware um, and everything in there. So they're able, they have the ability to optimize their chips better. And, and I think, what was it, the iPhone 11? that maybe had some battery issues and wasn't so great. Um, you know, they've, uh, they've ironed that out with the subsequent phones. And I think that unless they just do something off the wall with the way the iPhone SE runs, I don't see how it's going to be, you know, poor experiences. Cause I don't, yeah, it's only a $430 phone, but I just, Apple cares too much about its image to do, you know, put out a piece of junk. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, if you're spending 400 or 430 bucks on a phone, you can buy a phone that's going to look visually like a newer device on the outside. But, you know, if you keep it for four years, this is a phone that's going to give you a better experience over those four years versus probably a mid range Samsung phone that in two years I'm going to assume is going to feel slow. Right. I right. guess the question is, do you care about the fact that in four years, your phone's going to look like a decade old phone <laughs> versus something else? I, don't, I, I guess this this comes down to what are your priorities? Because, you know, at the base, this thing's going to give you good performance and probably a really good camera versus whatever else you're going to get at this price range. Fair. Uh, and again, I, I just think it's interesting because you you said a statement just now that I thought, oh, I feel like that would resonate with a lot of people. Would you care to buy a phone that's powerful enough, but in four years' time is going to look like a decade-old phone versus a phone that looks more up-to-date and nice to look at, uh, but probably would die in two years' time or three years' time? And I think that's—I I actually think that is a big deal because I don't know a lot of people who would buy a phone without it looking good. Like, have you guys bought phones that you didn't like or didn't think that looks good? Well, but I think also some of that equation is if you're buying, if you're in the market for a an inexpensive phone, or for saying a mid range phone, like between the four to six hundred dollar range, I mean, your first and foremost thing you're worried about is the cost because you're working on a budget, and then yep. you know secondary is going to be the looks of it. But at the same time, on the Android side, like how many mid range phones do they put a lot of effort into making it look nice and look modern, like? Those are the, some of those boring looking devices we get. Yeah. At least yeah. stateside. Sure. But. but I think at the same time, you know, uh, you know, for Android manufacturers, particularly when it comes to these, you know, 400, when, when it comes to these cheaper smartphones, um, I feel like they are making some kind of effort into, you know, like smaller bezels. Like, sure, you know, maybe they'll have a huge chin and a notch. But at least they're making some sort of effort. With Apple, you know, it's still just the same iPhone 6-ish design. Um, So I feel like there's really no effort there to make it look better. But with Android manufacturers, you know, no matter how cheap it is, uh, well, at least to a point, um, you know, there is a little bit of effort to make it look nice. Even like the cheap, you know, I've reviewed a couple of cheap uh, TCL smartphones and, you know, Aesthetically, they look okay. Like they look fine, um, you know, and they have large displays with you know fairly minimal bezels. Um, so I feel like there's some effort being put there. You know, they're not my favorite designs, but I, I can at least see the effort being put there. With Apple, there's pretty much no effort to make it look any better than you know the iPhone six. 
um, which, you know, again, is a pretty old design now. So uh, I just find it interesting because Apple is very visual. Um, all of its products are made to look nice. Um, but with the iPhone SE, that's not really the case here. Well, it's it's vintage. It's retro. It's okay. Is that is that what you would feel? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, would you say that, though? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're coming up. I mean, by the time you're done with it in four years, it'll definitely be vintage because it's a decade old. But I think yeah. it also goes back to, like, you're going to have to make a concession if, if when you're picking out a phone. Like, do you care how it works or do you just want it to look good? And, and unfortunately, on the Android side, like, you can, sure, some of the lower cost ones are starting to make a difference in their appearance. But we have a real problem with support on the mid-range devices um, for the most part. And and that's one thing you're not going to run into with Apple. So, I mean, yeah, you can you could maybe make yourself feel better and say that you've got a, a retro-looking phone. Um, to get past the the visual side of it, but you know it's going to perform and be supported for a long time. And actually speaking of that, I think it's kind of interesting when you say like, oh, quote unquote, it's vintage phone, whatever. But I mean, if you think about it, you know, we're seeing flip phones coming back in style. Like the Gen Z really seemed to like the that look of that vintage phone, but with a newer processing or whatever you want to call it. So I think that that does make sense. But this point that you make, Chris, I think is was really interesting. And I want to ask the other people about this, the, the idea of support, because you're right, you know, Apple is really good at supporting its devices across the board. And Google doesn't seem to really do a good job with that and has had problems for a while. And people have complained about that for a while. Uh, thoughts on that? Well, well, again, it, it, yeah. it comes oh, to, oh, you know, that one, that one got a lot of people excited. <laughs> <laughs> go, Derek, go. Well, again, you know, it, it all comes down to Apple controlling everything in its ecosystem. Um, it's just, it's very easy and I guess cost effective for Apple to, you know, continue to support its phones. You know, even if an iPhone, what, 6S is still getting the latest, you know, operating system, it won't necessarily come with all the features but you'll still get the latest operating system. With Android, that's not so much the case. Um, I feel like manufacturers, you know, they want to, or at least some of them want to, you know, support it as long as they can, but, um, you know, they want all the bells and whistles that'll come with a new OS upgrade. Um, But Apple kind of picks and chooses which features, you know, can come to the older phones based on, you know, what their processors can probably handle. Um, But it... You know, it does, it, it is a very interesting conundrum, you know, when you're looking at these lower cost phones, because, you know, on Android, it's like, you know, yes, the, you know, secondary, you know, thing in your head is like, you know, I, yeah, sure, I want it to look good. But, you know, first and foremost, you want a cheap phone, like looks aren't very important, um, you know, regardless, because all you want is just, you know, an affordable phone. But then you have to think, okay, well, if I have this phone, you know, how long is it going to be supported? Well, is the average consumer thinking about that? Um, You know, you know, for us, that's something that we think about. But, you know, should the average consumer be thinking about it? You know, they probably should. You know, I have friends who work in tech who are still using the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 3. Um, And I, you know, I'll straight up tell them like, hey, you know, your phone is no longer getting any updates from Google. Um, mm. So you might want to consider upgrading, um, but they kind of just don't care because they, you know, their phone still works and mm-hmm. it's still, 
you know, they still like their phones uh, and they kind of see no reason to upgrade. Um, so it, it, it is very interesting um, because, yes, I think the average consumer should maybe care that their phone won't be supported for very long, especially if they're going for these mid-range smartphones, but they don't seem to. Mm. Nick, say your last thought, because I want to talk about the next topic. Um, and I'm very excited about the next topic, but you were going to say something. Yeah, just piggybacking on what he was saying at the end, like, okay, if people don't care about updates, which, you know, both Google and Samsung have gotten pretty good at updating their mid-range lines. So it's probably not five years or whatever Apple is going to give you, but it's at least two or three. And I think maybe like Derek was saying, that's that's as much as people care about. And in that case, you're going to get a phone that looks better. And then maybe when you replace it in two years, whatever. So yeah, I don't know. That's fair it, enough. It will, it, I would love to see numbers for all of these devices and see what the reality is. But I don't think we'll ever get numbers. <laughs> Probably not. We, we, we probably won't, <laughs> but that's okay. But I, I want to talk about um, our next topic, which I'm really excited for. And this is one of the reasons why I brought Derek on board, because um, he just recently did the review on the S22 the baby phone, the smaller device. Um, and obviously, I want Derek to talk about it. And his review is up on the site now, I believe. I, I don't know if it is or not. I think it is. But uh, it published I just saw it up, yeah. Oh, there you go. Go look at it because the the hero image, the main image, is super super cool. I really like it. But um, yeah, Derek, why don't you why don't you start this off and tell us your overall thoughts on the phone? What what are your thoughts? I mean, there's so many so many things that we can discuss. Obviously, one of the main things was the battery life. A lot of people on Twitter were sort of complaining about how short the battery life was, uh, but. Before we get into the nitty gritties of, of all of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your initial thoughts on the phone? Yeah, so I have the Bebe Galaxy the Bebe. S22. Yes, the Bebe. The Bebe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, coming into this, I was actually a little nervous because I had not used a phone this small since the LG G8, um, oh, which wow. I believe also has a 6.1 inch display. Um, but it, it was, you know, I have, my main driver is the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. Um, so to go back to a phone this small was a little daunting. Um, and I was a little nervous about that. But um, I, I, I really like it. Um, you know, and I was very surprised about that. Like, you know, it, it's fast. It, you know, it runs very well. It's a beautiful phone. I have the, uh, the green colorway and it's, it's gorgeous. Like, is it better than absolutely the, gorgeous? Is it better than the iPhone green, the, the know, green iPhone? <laughs> you know what's interesting about the green here is it's almost blue, and I love that because like blue is my favorite color, green is my second favorite color. So to combine the <laughs> two is just I love it. Um, it you know it, dep- it depends on the you know how you look at it on the le- you know how the light hits it, but it's a gorgeous colorway. Um, if you haven't gotten the Galaxy S22 yet and are thinking of doing so, I definitely recommend this green colorway or even the burgundy. The burgundy for the oh, Galaxy the S22 Ultra, beautiful. it the is burgundy, yes. so bourgeois and just so <laughs> smooth and silky and sexy. Like, it just makes me, like, when I look at that burgundy, it just makes me want to, like, you know, just put on a robe and just, like, 
I don't know, just like cuddle up and like, you know, with the fire. Like, I, I don't know, something about that burgundy. But the green is also fantastic. Um, as far as just my experience with the phone, though, I've had it for about two weeks. And, you know, like I said, it runs very well, uh, you know, thanks to that new uh, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 chipset. Um, you know, it only has eight gigabytes of RAM, but, you know, that doesn't seem to really bother it very much. Um uh, as far as the battery life, that is, that was probably my main gripe with the phone. Yeah, because you you mentioned in your review that, and we all know this as well on our team. You you're a pretty early riser because you know you wake up and then you are you still working out in the morning at five, right? Yeah, you know when I can. <laughs> I've been quite busy, so uh, you know I do yeah. I do it when I can. But like, yes, if I do go to the gym, I'm going at you know I'm waking up at five in the morning. Um, you know, I'll probably get, I'll probably be at the gym at five thirty, and you know, I'll get home at you know around seven, and I'll start my day. And by the time it's you know, I I normally make sure that my phone is charged, like fully charged, by the time I wake up. Um, by around noon, the phone is pretty much on its last legs, mm. and uh, I'm already like you know having to go find the charger. And I don't know, it's, it often surprises me how quickly the battery dies on this phone. Um, but, but even, you know, as far as like the, the thermal issues that I've been hearing about too, um, you know, I, I've noticed that as well. I'll be playing, you know, some games on my phone, like Genshin Impact, which I don't play very often, but I have been getting into, uh, what is it, Near Reincarnation, which is a pretty graphically intensive game. Uh, that and another game called Gai. And just pretty much when I, whenever I'm playing any sort of game, like it, it, it will get warm um, and it'll get noticeably warm. Uh, okay. I haven't noticed any apps crashing or anything from it. Um, but like when I use like the game booster, for example, it, it'll like give me a, uh, it'll show me that like the phone is kind of overheating. Um, so I do find that very interesting. So, so here's the thing. So, a couple weeks ago, um, Nick and Michael were speaking about their phones. Nick has the Samsung S22 Ultra Plus. Which one do you have again? I always forget which one you have, Nick. The Ultra. The Ultra, right. The Ultra Plus Max. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you also complained of the same things that Derek's complaining about, which is the battery as well as the... Well, you didn't really have so much of overheating issues, but you saw it happen once right um, so michael had more of an actual heat issue i don't want to say overheating but yes mm -hmm. the plus definitely got warm whereas the ultra i i mean to me the ultra never really got hot you could there was maybe like a corner that would get a little warm but for the most part the phone would never get hot i ran into that weird graphical issue mm -hmm. and a few times where i could tell it was throttling because you could see it stuttering when you're scrolling and it can't keep up to the 120 hertz but yeah definitely at least with the ultra not hot i've not noticed any sort of stuttering um i can't i can't recall even with gameplay i don't really recall any sort of stuttering which i really find interesting um but then you know kind of going back to you know my my main driver is the, the galaxy note 20 and playing these same games i don't really notice it getting too hot either um but yeah it's definitely a difference with this phone okay so 
I want to pose this question just in terms, it's like a general question. With the issues that we've seen, you know, about the battery and the potential heating issue, which doesn't seem to be that much of an issue, uh, and as well as the throttling, which we're going to get into that in a little in a little while. So don't talk about that too much. Um, how big of a deal is is this for Samsung's lineup of phones? I mean, because these phones are really beautiful. It's you know they're all priced at you know specific price points. They're supposed to be the next line. Of, well, they are the next line of phones that Samsung needs to sell. How big of a deal are these issues? And I think, actually, I think, Nick, I asked you this, you and Michael, the same question when we had this conversation. But now now that we have the, the smaller phone as well, it almost seems like every phone has an issue. I, I feel like with smaller flagships, this is just expected. I mean, I can't think of a recent smaller flagship phone that doesn't have battery life issues. I mean, my wife uses the Flip 3 and... She's got to charge that thing at least once a day, you know, maybe mid-afternoon. It was no different with her Pixel 3 before that, which actually had worse battery life. And, I mean, I'm trying to think of any other smaller flagships that did not suffer from that recently. I mean, maybe even ever. You know, I I uh, haven't used any really smaller flagships recently, but um, but again, with my LG G8, I don't I don't recall there being any battery issues, but what I do recall is, you know, playing these same games, um, or at least some of them, it did get hot. Um, and it was, you know, it had a glass, you know, chassis. So I don't know if I had anything to do with that, but I did, you know, it it did get hot. And uh, you know, going from that to the note, I was actually surprised that, you know, the fact that the note didn't get as hot playing these same games. So Maybe it's just something with the smaller phones. I don't know. Um, or maybe it could have more to do with the chipset. I mean, I mm. know the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, at least from all of the you know measurements we've seen, is a less efficient SoC than the 888 from last year. I think it was last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where, whereas obviously it's more powerful, but your your performance per watt kind of measurement is lower than what we've seen in the past. How many other phones are out right now running the new Snapdragon chipset? Are there any yet? I think there's like three. or yeah, There's, think, there's a handful, I think. There's, there? there's a yeah. few, yeah. There, yeah. I'm curious to see, I'm curious to what, if they're having similar issues on those or if it's an optimization through Samsung that they, you know, something in their software. Yeah, I have another one with me that I can't talk about for two weeks, but in two weeks we'll come back on the podcast and revisit that subject. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so there's at least but, one more but even so you know i find it also one thing i kind of noted in my review is that i find it interesting how you know yes the galaxy s22 will get hot um and you know there are reports of samsung throttling you know its gaming apps but at the same time um it it plays it still plays these games well i haven't noticed any sort of stuttering on this phone Compared to, you know, the Pixel 6 Pro that I have, you know, these same games don't play half as well, in my opinion, um, on the Pixel 6 Pro. Like, you know, I would I would tap on a selection or something and it would take like, you know, a few moments for the, the phone to actually respond. Um, and just graphically, I don't know, it, like everything seems to run smoother on the Galaxy S22 as far as gaming than on the Pixel 6 Pro, which I just find, which I also found just very interesting. 
Maybe that's an article you want to write about, Derek. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I I tend to use my Fold 3 to play games, so I don't play a whole lot on the Pixel 6 Pro. Now, I have played stuff, you know, during the review and, and some other times as well. So, I mean, I know I have played, st- you know, Fortnite or other things that are pretty graphically intensive on the on that phone. And I don't recall poor performance. I, maybe I just wasn't playing the right thing. I mean, I don't think you and I play the same stuff. So it's it could just very well be certain games really tax the heck out of it because... You know, this yeah, is a chip designed by Google, so it's a little bit different from one designed by Qualcomm. Possible. I thought you were a gamer, Nick. What's going on here? <laughs> That's why I use the Fold 3, man. <laughs> that 4 by 3 aspect ratio, totally, totally underrepresented. <laughs> uh, Derek, I want to also talk about the phone's camera, because that is a topic that we talked about um, when when I was talking to Nick and Michael about their phones, you know, we all love cameras. We love taking pictures. The quality of a camera is something that a lot of consumers look at when they're buying something, uh, like a phone, for example, not something. <laughs> I'm really tired, guys. But <laughs> Derek, talk to me about the camera. What was that like and what was your experience like? The camera was good. Um, you know, it to me, it wasn't really anything to run home about. Um, although... I, I did find, like, you know, I, I would prefer the photos taken from this than the ones I would take on my note. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I did notice that there were some improvements there as far as, like, the primary camera. Um, I did like the, the ultra-wide camera as well, um, did perform very well. And nighttime photography, or nightography, as Samsung likes to call it, um, I thought the, you know, I thought the, form, the, the phone performed fairly well. I, um... But I would still, you know, aside from, you know, the pictures that I took for the review, you know, when it came to taking photos, I would still pull out the Pixel 6 if I wanted to take just like a quick snapshot of something, Um, you know, and just because I knew that the Pixel would, you know, always have a good photo uh, if I just wanted like something quick and dirty Um, for with the Samsung, like they would come out nice, but like there, I don't know. Like they would just be okay. I feel you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, it, and not just that, but my my main problem with the camera was the shutter. It, it it's just slow. Like it would take like a second or more before it actually takes the photo after I hit the shutter, and that that can be problematic if you're trying to you know get it, uh, you know capture the moment. You know, um, oh, and oh, there have we had been, a there very... have been times. We there have a very similar where, conversation uh, about this. <laughs> yeah, there have been times where, like, I would try to, like, get something really quick, and the Galaxy S22 would, like, just miss it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, it, and it, it, yeah, it was kind of annoying, and I'm just like, oh, gosh, like, really? Like, why, like, why can't you just, like, take the photo and do all the processing afterwards? Like, why is it taking so long for it to just take the photo? You know, um, it's funny that that's, that's the case. I, yeah. Because it used to be the opposite, right? Like the the pixel would take better pictures as as it probably still does, but it was slow. Man, I can't tell you how many photos I missed on my Pixel 4 XL because I'd open the camera and it would be five seconds before it was ready to actually take a picture. I don't know if it was actually that long, but it felt like it. And, you know, now I kind of wonder like Google's work on Tensor, 
did they focus on that particular thing? Like, hey, this is a problem. We need to fix this. We can make our own chip now and, and address this concern specifically. Whereas Samsung is now trying to keep up with Google's, you know, all the extra processing they're doing, but they don't have the dedicated chipset like that. They still have to rely on whatever Qualcomm's giving them. And we're seeing the result of, you know, Google being able to hone in on their strengths with their own chip here. I wonder how, I believe we have a review for the, what the Oppo Find X Pro. I haven't actually looked at it, but I wonder, because they have, they have their own dedicated chip. So I just wonder how that performs, you know, as far, especially as far as like, you know, just taking the photo. You're talking about the Um, the iPhone? No, yeah, the, the, Oppo. the Oppo Find. Oh, Oppo, Oppo, yeah. Oppo, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, know, I know Alex said that the, you know, nighttime video is really, really good and, and that sort of thing. I don't recall if he talked about the shutter speed, though. I'd have to go look back over it. I certainly didn't think about maybe, that when I was looking at it. <laughs> but maybe that means Samsung needs its own imaging chip. You know, uh, I believe... I don't know if Sony has their own, but I, you know, I, I really enjoy what Sony does with their phones. Um, and obviously, you know, the Pixel is doing something special. And, you know, Oppo, from what we've heard, you know, takes great images as well. So maybe it's time for Samsung to. Well, I know since the S21, they added in, Samsung added in a bunch of extra like multi-frame tricks. So, I mean, I I said this in the the Flip 3 and the Fold 3 reviews. I feel like half the time whenever I'm taking a picture that has some kind of movement going on in it, if I take the picture and then click that thumbnail, like I said, about half the time, I would see it quick swap out a better frame than whatever, you know, was captured at the moment I pressed that button. So I know they're doing a lot more stuff in the background than they used to, because that, that was never a thing before 2021. That might be the problem, too, because I would sort, I would notice that as well with the Galaxy S22. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously, I, I believe, you know, it seems like they're you know, relying on Qualcomm's chip to do all this. Maybe they need their own chip to make this process much faster and better. Sure. I'm curious if it is slow like that. It's the same issue on an Exynos version. Maybe we'll have to question. get Harish on here and ask him. Yeah, we'd have to. We'd have to do that. <laughs> Wait, you know what? No, Harish is is a is a um, a Qualcomm this time as well. So never mind. Maybe he can procure one from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I I forgot they changed that in India this time around. It's usually the Exynos one, and now it's a Qualcomm one this year. I'd like to just point out that if you look at Derek's review and you go to his uh, the camera section, you just scroll through. I like Derek how you just just subtly decided to put in a selfie. Good job. <laughs> well, I had to, you know, show off the, the selfie camera. It's not like, it's not like I wanted to put a selfie in oh, the view. Oh, you did <laughs> Now, here's my question. I, is, I, I, and is I really the, enjoy it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, is the selfie camera on that phone as good as what is on the Ultra? Because the one on the Ultra is like stupid good I, all the time. I don't know. Like, I... They're okay. Like I, I actually like the selfies on this. Um, I don't. I've I've not used the S twenty two Ultra. Um, and my, my, uh, my Note twenty Ultra. I, I don't. I feel like I don't use it very much for selfies because they're just they're okay. Um, but you know, I again like the the selfies here are good. 
Um, again, nothing to you know run home about, but again, I will find myself, you know, picking up the Pixel Six Pro if I want to take a good photo of myself. And I think part of that probably has to do with, um, you know, the efforts that Google put into, you know, just uh, I forgot what they call it, the real tone, um, because you know yeah. I have you know a darker skin tone, so um, you know I really like how the Pixel you know, it just portrays my skin, um, you know, better than what I've seen from Samsung. Um, so yes, you know, when it comes to selfies, when it comes to taking pictures of myself, I will pull out the pixel before anything else. <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, we didn't even talk about this with the iPhone SE, but that was something that Apple mentioned oh, in yeah. the press conference for that. And I remember all of us were like, hmm, I wonder how that compares to the Pixels, because obviously they're saying that because Google highlighted it when the Pixel 6 came out. Yeah, that was interesting because I know in their iPhone 13 presentation, they did talk about how, um, you know, they're taking pictures to optimize for different, you know, skin tones and stuff. But like they didn't actually use the word skin tone or, or I don't remember what they used exactly, but they they showed us images you know, of, of people of color, you know, nighttime photography and just was, they were able to highlight, um, those colors and it was vibrant and beautiful and really true to those colors to an extent. But then it was during the iPhone SE presentation where they were so like the, the, the language they used was almost identical to Google's language about skin tone and being like, we want to ensure that, everyone's images are, you know, beautiful or whatever. I don't remember what exactly, what did they say exactly? Something around skin tone detection or something like that? I'd have to go look it up again. I can't remember. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. And um, yeah, I would love to do a comparison on on the Pixel and the iPhone SE to see how how good those two would be. But yeah, you know, I would love to try out the iPhone just, just to see how it, you know, how it compares to the Pixel. Because again, like, I I love how the Pixel, you know, portrays my skin tone, how it shows it. But um, yeah, I would I would love to see what Apple is doing in and this going regard. Going to the dark side. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, and, and you know, it would just be nice to you know to use an iPhone, you know, just to see what how things are going on on that side of things. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it would be fun to to compare. Um, both both cameras okay well on that note maybe we can get Derek an iPhone but I would like to take a really quick break stay tuned because we have a couple more things that we want to talk about we'll be right back guys you're successful in business because you love doing the research whether it's the state of the market or the next right hire but when you're low on hours and you still want to do a great job on hiring Who do you go to for help? It's time for Indeed. Simply put, if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Isn't that music to your ears these days? Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. 
With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all of the job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posts at Indeed.com ACP. Offer valid through March 31st. That's ACP like Android Central Podcast. Go to Indeed.com ACP to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. That's Indeed.com ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, I hope you guys are still around listening to us because uh, I want to talk about the next kind of interesting problematic issue that's been happening <laughs> recently since we were on the topic of the S22. Um, the recent news of how Samsung has been throttling its phone. So this is this is an interesting topic for me because um, I, so I started being a tech reporter about four-ish years now, four, four or five years now. No, four years. Yeah. And I, I'm, I learn a lot of new words and languages, you know, especially on the consumer side of things. And this was one thing that still confuses me. It still kind of doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And so maybe Nick or one of you guys explain to me what the issue is, what has been happening recently with Samsung phones. So in a nutshell, um, Samsung had this service on some of their phones called uh, the Game Optimization Service. And this was designed, you know, like we were saying with the the heat output on, you know, the S22 and maybe some other phones. Um, it's designed to keep your phone cool while also trying to keep games performing well. So if the phone gets hot, it throttles a few things back to ensure that it doesn't get so hot that, you know, it hurts to hold the phone. And then also, of course, that it doesn't get so hot that it causes other problems with the phone. Um in effect, this is only supposed to work for games, as you know, maybe the, the name game optimization service would imply. But what was found is that there's a list of 10,000 different apps and games. I think apps is also the keyword here that that service would throttle if the phone got hot. And so, mm. you know, like I'm assuming, well, I don't know, maybe this the Twitter issue that I ran across where the you know, we had the scrolling thing where. It obviously couldn't keep up. Maybe that was happening then. But in any case, things that were notably absent from this list of, you know, apps and games being throttled were benchmarks. So what this essentially means is that, you know, Samsung, just like other companies in the past, was cheating on benchmarks because your normal apps and games, basically anything in this list, would get slowed down whenever the phone got hot, whereas benchmarks would never see a performance drop at all, even if the phone got hot. And so they ended up getting, uh, Derek, correct me if this is incorrect, you know, completely, but I know Geekbench banned, I think the S22, I'm not sure how many other phones, but um, they definitely called foul on Samsung for this practice because 
it means that the performance you're seeing on Geekbench and other benchmarks is not the same as you would be getting in any app that's on this list, essentially is what it means. And sometimes we've seen that this would throttle the phone up to 50%. So you're talking Jesus. a huge performance cut. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know what what needs to happen to hit that 50% threshold. That's probably like in the middle of the summer when the you know the, the phone is in the sun or something <laughs> for a long time. This is probably ridiculous scenarios. But in any case, Samsung responded to it really quickly. And they were like, hey, you know, uh, I, I guess we'll just say they made an error. We're going to fix this. And they are, in fact, rolling out a fix now. Yeah, they've, they've issued the fix for, for, this, for this whole problem, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. And, and the idea yeah, was that... I believe that's available were, in Korea right now. Yes, which is typically where they would test anything new like this. Um, Wait, the fix is only available in Korea right now? As far as I know, yes. Yeah, they're they're starting with some users in Korea, and then I think once they decide that it's safe to roll out globally, they'll roll it out. But I, I think the idea here was that it's not going to get rid of the throttling. It's going to give users the ability to pair that back a little bit. So if you're playing a game and you notice the performance just drops off a cliff after 20 minutes, my assumption is you'll be able to check a box or something in this, we haven't seen what, what the update looks like, but, you know, let's just say you'll be able to check a box and then, okay, well, we won't throttle this one as much. We'll let the phone get a little hotter than we normally would to keep it from, that, that is you so know, messed <laughs> having up. such an issue. <laughs> so messed up, man. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that we're kind of, this is kind of conjecture just because they haven't told us exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. But yeah. based on the, the release that they put out, that's what it sounds like. Okay, I, I want to go back to something that you said earlier, and and maybe we can get you know either Chris or Derek to weigh in on this as well. This idea of the phone getting or not phone, but Samsung getting banned. What what do you mean by that, and and why is that such a big deal? Because because they they were banned from what Geekbench and all those, right? Yes, I, yeah, I think I Geekbench was the only one that said they were banning them. I didn't see statements from other companies, but I you know like I said, I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know, like. You know, I kind of go based off of what, uh, what was it? What Jerry was, you know, his article about how, you know, you shouldn't really pay attention to, to, you know, these benchmarks anyways. And so when it comes to them, like, I, I honestly don't care. Um, like if Samsung was banned from Geekbench, because that's yeah, not, nor should you, know, you honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't care because that's not how I measure, you know, how, you know, I'm going to actually use the phone to see how it works. Like I, you know, Sure, you know, Samsung might be throttling the S22, but, you know, in my experience, it works just fine. Again, it plays games better than the Pixel 6 Pro. Um, so whatever throttling they're doing, I I don't know. I'm not noticing it. It runs fine for me. So I'm going to go based on that. I'm going to go based on, you know, I'm not going to look at, when I'm looking for a new phone, I'm not going to look at benchmarks. I'm going to look at reviews. I'm going to look at what other people are saying about their experience with the phone. Um and, you know, maybe I'll go to a, you know, carrier store and I'll play around with it for a bit. Um, but that's how I, you know, that's how I'm going to, you know, test out a new phone or, you know, how I'm going to decide on what new phone to buy. I'm not going to look at benchmarks. Right. So I don't and really care. Benchmarks. So benchmarks are nice in that 
you know, as they say, they give you a benchmark to look at as far as like a base performance ratio goes, right? So, you know, phones five years ago performed worse than the ones this year, and you can look at benchmark scores because of that. But I think benchmarks have become less prevalent over the years because we've seen this kind of cheating happen with almost every company. I mean, how many companies have we written about that have done something like this over the years? I would say most of them. Right. And I don't think this is the first time Samsung's done something like this. No. Um, yeah. So, um, like, the fact that we're making such a big deal of it now is a little ridiculous to me. Um, <laughs> well, I think... Because, again, like, all, I, I'm pretty sure all of them do it to some extent. So, it's... I don't know. It's whatever. I think it's it's gone to the same level as the DxO mark with the cameras. You know, we so many manufacturers got caught using, you know, tricking that system, trying to make it, you know, their camera win and things like that. When in all actuality, like in real world usage, the camera was just eh, meh, it was okay. But they wanted to stack it up and want to have that DxO mark on their box or advertising, whatever. And it's gone to the similar situation with the benchmarks. Right. And, and that's kind of the problem with benchmarks is that, okay, yes, it gives you a baseline that you can, you know, then compare all phones to. But the problem is that baseline never changes. So with every phone release, a manufacturer can say, okay, let me optimize for this specific piece or that specific piece. And then when you look at all the benchmarks, hey, this phone looks amazing. I can't believe how good it performs. But, you know, it doesn't play your favorite game all that much better than maybe your old phone. So... <laughs> Benchmarks suck. Yeah, just just if you're going to look at benchmarks, you know what? take them that's with a grain what, of salt. I mean, really what, just do not base your purchase on a benchmark. I don't care what benchmark it is. Don't do it. That's what we should have named this podcast. I, I think the name of this podcast, this episode is Apples to Apples, because obviously we talked about Apple. Right. But I think we <laughs> should have great. named it Benchmarks <laughs> Suck. Let's just avoid them or avoid benchmarks. I like it. Benchmarks <laughs> suck. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but could but could we say that the benchmarks need to have a hand in this as well? Like if the benchmarks don't change year to year, then that means that the manufacturers can target specific benchmarks and, and statistics to make theirs look better. So if benchmarks altered their tests yearly, then they wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, I, I guess in that case, the only problem there, though, is you wouldn't be able to compare them properly year to year. You wouldn't be able to say, you know, the phone three years ago runs this thing you know, at, at this much better unless you still had that phone and then you could rerun the benchmark, which I guess, right. you know, is something some places can do, but then you, st- I don't know, whatever. There's a whole whole rabbit hole we can get in there, but. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that goes, that, that's, that could be the benchmark's job, though. I mean, like the company that run the benchmark, Geekbench and these other places, like that's their job to be able to compare these things and put those out. And so, you know, Samsung could say, I want to know this phone compares across the past three years and Geekbench then takes that into their lab and does that themselves instead of just making it an app or a program. They send it to the OEM or whatever. Like, I, I I don't think that ditching benchmarks entirely is the right thing to do, but I think that the benchmarks could be altered so that the companies have less of an opportunity to to game the system. Very fair point, Chris. I like it. Uh, I want to talk about our last topic though, um, because I'm kind of tired of talking about benchmarks. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the Pixel March 2022 feature drop, the last topic that I wanted to kind of talk about. And Derek, you wrote this news article about uh, the feature drop, but uh, there's a, a lot of new things that are coming um, to the Pixel. You know, obviously there's Nightsight coming to Snapchat. Um, there's going to be some updates with Gboard and live uh, caption and translate. 
thoughts on 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 these new features? I mean, I guess it's interesting because every so how often I mean, like we get these features and it's like it's cool, whatever. But how big of a deal is it to have these features happen whenever they do happen? I think it's a big deal overall. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, maybe this this particular pixel drop wasn't exciting necessarily. Um, but I think getting new features is the same way. You know, it's the same thing like people say about their Tesla cars. Like it's it's almost like getting a new car every six months or whatever with a feature drop. Like it kind of keeps your phone fresh and kind of gives you something exciting to play with and hopefully fixes some problems too. So I think they're important. I agree. I think... Um... You know, uh, what I've noticed about, the you know, the Pixel feature drops is that, you know, we'll we'll see new, you know, all these new features coming to the Pixels. And it's like, all right, you know, cool if you have a Pixel. But then later on, eventually Google will bring these features to other Android phones. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of see it as Google testing out these, you know, some of these features. Some of them may, you know, stay exclusive to Pixel. But eventually, you know, a, lo- a lot of them end up coming to other Android phones and, you know, the Android feature drops or whatever they're called. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I like, I, I think they're, you know, like he was saying, I think they're important. You know, I like the idea of the feature drop, especially for the pixel, because it, you know, gives us an idea of what we may be seeing, you know, for all Android phones, you know, down the line. Nick, did you have any thoughts? So, at least as far as this feature drop goes, um, it didn't seem like the most exciting feature drop, but I, I feel like almost a hidden one that is a really killer feature is how you can use live captions and calls. You know what? I was literally yes. just thinking about that. Yeah, that yes. that is like that one of the coolest feature. things. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's so great for accessibility. Yeah. I mean, wow. it's just great for everyone. It's Yeah. You have the you know somebody who needs this because they have trouble speaking or, you know, something along that lines of a physical impairment. And then there are also those times where, you know, what if you're in a meeting or something and you you have to take a call, but you can't speak or leave the meeting or whatever. Now you can take the call and have assistant talk for you and transcribe the whole thing and do all of that for you. Oh, no, I fully agree with like, you. It's I think just, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> it's super, super cool. And yeah, I mean, I think specifically with, uh, meetings, I think it would be so helpful and especially making sure that you don't miss something that someone has said during the meeting, or maybe if someone speaks too fast and it, you know, you kind of, you don't hear it all properly. I think that that feature is just so sick. It's so cool. Right. I mean, the only way I could see to improve this is to integrate it more into the dialer. So like right now it's, it's a system level feature, which is great. You know, you need that to be a system level feature to be able to be used in other apps, but I also would like to see a button on the dialer that could bring this up because it's like you got to answer the call, then you got to click your volume button, then you got to click the live caption button. Like it's it's a bunch of little extra steps. So it'd be cool to see in a future update them integrate this a, even more deeply than they have. Right, and and I you know kind of an aside, I I do like that it like tells the other person on on the other line that the call is being transcribed. I think that's really. Right, I just, and I, I kind of wonder. This feature is just great. Yeah, and and I I kind of wonder if they learned that lesson from when they first started trying to use Google Assistant for, I forget what that was called, but when you like, most likely, you, know, you want to call up a restaurant the, uh, to make a reservation or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> duplex. Yeah, the the duplex. duplex yes, that was <laughs> yeah. it. Because I know they got yeah, some complaints they there. Learned it from that. 
Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure they did, which is nice. It's, it's good to see them learning that lesson and implementing that so well. Yeah, and it could be a slippery slope, but it would be kind of interesting to be able to have a copy or be able to send yourself the transcription or if it sent it to both parties or whatever. You know, if you're in a meeting, like be able to reflect back on notes like, oh, shoot, did I forget this or write this down or, you know, be able to refer back to a conversation you had would be helpful. Um, it also have, you know, some nefarious uses for some people if they're they're inclined <laughs> to, but it, it it could have, a you know, there are benefits to both sides. And, uh, and I definitely, I, I wouldn't want to be the one to have to sort out the legalities and, you know, privacy <laughs> rules of saving it. But <laughs> I can see some uses for it in our industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I know, I know, I've used their recorder, just you know, the voice recorder or whatever, several times through this because it gives you that transcription, and you can search within it, and there's keywords and all kinds of crazy things you can do. So, sorry, my chicken is ridiculous <laughs> today. Oh my gosh, I don't know if you which, hear her. Which which chicken is it? <laughs> which oh yeah, one. I Amelia. Love your chicken. Oh, Amelia. <laughs> Wait, have you actually been able to train your chickens like to no. understand names? Oh, okay. no, I, I wish. <laughs> I was, like, she, really excited about she's, that. Just imagine is... Amelia, and then she just like looks at you like what? Like pops up. <laughs> I mean, I, I can do like a little clicking with my my tongue that they all you know know that's the treat noise, but that that's is, that's the extent oh, of the training. That is I love so that. I love your chickens. My I kids are convinced your... that the chickens know their names and will come to them. That's my kids. My kids think this anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> they're convinced okay, oh, that's so we've great. derailed but uh, i loved our conversation and i want to end our podcast with what we've always ended um the past couple of times that i've hosted and i hope to keep it as a standard for all future podcasts but uh basically ending it on a happy note you know big wins happy thoughts things that were something that was good that happened to you this past week that wasn't work related um something that just made you smile. It could be as small as, you know, I got to drink my favorite drink. It could be anything. So, um, who wants to go first? Uh, it's been a busy week, a stressful week for me. Um, but I did manage, I think it was, was it yesterday, the day before? Um, you know, I was out taking pictures with my, uh, with the Galaxy S22 and I, I decided to kind of take myself on a little date. Uh, oh. I took a stroll to, um, you know, kind of seeing the images, I took a stroll to, um, it's, it's called the Ballard Locks. Um, and I, I think it's like the the highest traffic locks in like the U.S. or I don't know, something like that. But it's pretty neat um, just to see like, you know, where the ships go and like where they have like the different water levels. So I took a little stroll over there. It's fairly close to my home and then i uh went and got uh went to an italian restaurant to eat um you know what did you eat by myself i had a a sa- i had a nice you know salad and then um when was i had i had fettuccine con salmon Ooh. Um, which yeah it's 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 so great and then um and then i had uh, i forgot what it's called but it's like that gelato thing where it's like pistachio and chocolate and then they had the pistachios on top Ooh. i forgot what it's called but it's so it's so good um well that's really nice i like to hear a little date a self-date that's always a good thing to do love it chris uh well i got i kind of 
too, because one I just I, it came up just a, a few minutes ago, so I have to say because it, it made me smile when I saw it. But I'm glad because it's finally starting to warm up a little bit. Shruti and I have complained a bit this week about where we live. At. <laughs> She's in Canada and I'm in Kansas. Um, maybe it's the can part of it. I don't know. Anyhow, um, getting fake <laughs> spring where we'll have like a few a week or so of like 70 degree weather and it's beautiful out, and then it switches to storms and snow. And I'm literally doing this right now. It was. 80 last week and it's been cold and snowing this week. And so, um, but having that glimpse of spring made me happy. And I got my, I jumped the gun a little bit and I've got a camper, a cargo trailer that I converted to a camper and I jumped the gun and I got it out the other day to start working on it and prepping it for the upcoming camping season and, uh, doing some renovations on it and it snowed. So, uh, that was awesome. But the second thing was, uh, my son is in, my oldest is in third grade and, Today, they have about 50 days left of school, and so they did a 50s, dress for the 50s day, and they've been studying the 50s for the last couple of weeks. And so he went to school in, in some dark jeans and rolled, cuffed the bottoms of them and wore a white t-shirt, and my wife got him a small pair of like aviator shades and stuff like that and slicked his hair back and all this stuff, and he was all excited about it. And it was only him and two girls in his class that like really dressed the theme. And so his teacher sent a picture of him and the two girls posing for a picture. And he is smiling, but it's an adorable picture, but he is so embarrassed and and just (laughs) gritting his teeth and clenching his fist and smiling all at the same time. And it's the most adorable thing. I thought it was was so great. I love it. I love it. That's so cute. That's amazing. Uh, Nick, what are you smiling about this week? Uh, So my office is in our basement which I have, you know, worked on a lot since we moved into this house three years ago. Um, And I finally, uh, so long story short, before we moved into this house, I guess this basement used to be a crawl space. And then they they dug out part of it and made it into more like a full basement. But they left the like, you know, the the vents on the side that you would normally have in a crawl space. And they just kind of covered them with a piece of foam and put some great stuff around it to keep it in there. Right. So it was ugly and I didn't have a lot of light in here and all that so I finally took the dive and I got a window that I can open and I wait did you say that was your happy thing last week no maybe (laughs) I don't know maybe maybe last week I said I was going to do it I actually did it (laughs) yes okay good okay I don't know just having having that now I have my window here I did it it has rained like four days in a row this week and it hasn't leaked so I did it right <gasps> that's that's so, even more. Yeah, that's that's the real happy part. Yeah, exactly. So I I I felt great about that. I was really happy. So now now I'm going to go find some more windows and do that with maybe some of the rest of them. <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> uh well, for me, um if well, I I recently started watching a new I I'm a huge TV show fan. I love watching uh all the TV shows out there. But I started watching a new TV show called The Fame Game. It's on Netflix. It's an Indian uh, Netflix original. Yes, it's an Indian Netflix original with Madhuri Dixit, who is a like a star, a Bollywood star. Oh my god, she is gorgeous. But anyways, um, I, I I might say some spoilers right now, but it's not too big of a spoiler, so it's it's not a big deal. But this is the thing that really really made me happy and. Uh, brings a lot of pride to my community. I'm Indian. Um, but there's a scene in the show uh, where one of the characters reveals that they are part of the LGBTQ community. And their mother was so incredibly supportive 
loving, nurturing, caring, supportive. And to me, that is a huge deal because our community, the Indian community at least, uh, is is still very much a conservative community, um, but are slowly making ways to become less conservative and more accepting and more loving of different people and different things that are happening in the world. And to have a mainstream show with a mainstream Bollywood actress who is so stunning to be able to have these conversations is a huge, huge deal. And I was, I was so, it it just made me feel really happy. I was, I was just, I was very proud to be Indian watching that show. So if you haven't watched that show, this is not an ad from Netflix, I promise. (laughs) But make sure you watch it because it really made me happy. That sounds awesome. And on that note, I just wanted to thank all of our listeners for tuning in another week. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye. See ya. Bye. Later.